Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the details. In this episode, I chat to Tracy and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Tracy's first experience with birth wasn't what she expected and she availed of the birth reflection service in the maternity hospital to ensure that she was prepared for her second pregnancy and birth of her daughter Willow. Willow made a very swift arrival and she will talk us through all the details there. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. You're very welcome Tracy. Thanks a million for popping on to the podcast to tell us your birth stories. If you want to just start off by giving us a brief introduction. Okay my name is Tracy Quinn. I am 30 I am married four years to my husband, Peter. have to throw in that we got married and don't tell the bride. It seems like a weird thing not to mention. Um, There's always a story with me. I have two children. I have a six-year-old son, Billy, and I have a 15-month-old daughter, Willow. And yeah, I'm a writer slash blogger slash fingers in many pies type of person. That's me in a nutshell. Okay, lovely. And tell me about um, your first pregnancy. Was it planned? Yes. Um, my first pregnancy was planned in the sense that I kind of just woke up one morning and was like, I need to have a baby. I, this is, this is, yeah, this is the time for me to have a baby. And just sort of assumed that my husband, well, boyfriend at the time, would be feeling exactly the same that morning. And funnily enough, wasn't. And was like, whoa. And it took me a couple of weeks um, to kind of get around the idea with him. It was, it was very out of the blue for him. But in the end, it was, we were really, really lucky. Happened really, really quickly. And I was absolutely over the moon. I was 24. Okay. And then um, did you use trackers or anything like that to get pregnant? No, you just, it was just immediate. No, I was, I was just really, really lucky. We, we just, oh, great. yeah. It was like the first month and it was like a week later or something ridiculous. We were very, very lucky. It's, it's, yeah, it's only when you speak to people who are experiencing fertility issues that you kind of go, whoa, we're really, really, we're blessed. Um, it happened super, super quickly. And how did you feel that in the first couple of weeks? 
Do you have any symptoms? Um, I, I was quite lucky again. I wasn't really that sick. Um, I was, you know, nauseous, but I wasn't actually getting sick. And I suppose the hardest thing for me, I think my pregnancy was I was quite overweight and it made, for me, it overshadowed a lot of the pregnancy because I was struggling to walk and carry my body weight and had kind of issues before I got pregnant, like just, you know, some aesthetic issues, but like mostly just walking and my like thighs rubbing off each other and like bleeding and like just stuff like that that got worse in pregnancy um and yeah I, my confidence was really low so I suppose like I didn't have a bump until like a week before I was gonna pop and stuff and it, it's it's stuff that's shouldn't be that important but it was to me at the time um but no it was it was in terms of health and in terms of sickness it was a very straightforward pregnancy again and so what was your plan with hospital care? Did you decide to go public, semi-private or private? I went public because I was going to the Coombe where my mom had been to have all of us. It was five of us and pretty much everybody in my family had been to the Coombe and had been public. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do the same. Didn't really have any major reason to even think outside of that, to be honest. I just was like, I'll do the thing that all the people I know do and kind of just took it from there didn't really consider anything else um to be honest with you just yeah went for public so then how did you feel closer to your due date so around your third trimester did you feel i know you said you probably felt you felt uncomfortable but how did you feel um like did you have any pelvic girdle pain or anything like that no i didn't have anything like symptom wise out of the ordinary i suppose um probably just the classic like I was convinced I was going to go early you know and mm. it's it's true what they say hoping. like <laughs> in hoping you know my mom was like oh I don't know and I was like I just have a feeling like I just know I can just feel it in my waters my mom was like that's called hope darling yeah um, <laughs> I think every day after your due date feels like a week so probably just as an anxious person and as a planner and as someone who hates to not be in control, I definitely struggled with the fact that it was so out of my control and mm. massive life event could happen in an hour or could happen in like three weeks time. I, I really struggled with that just in terms of my personality, if you know what I mean. I just didn't yeah. suit to not know. So that was probably the worst of it, actually, just the unknown and just, yeah, that kind of frustration. And so you went over then, did you? I did. I went over by 10 days. So I was, my last appointment, I was, I had a sweep and I had heard a lot about sweeps and I was like, they sound a bit gas. Um, and it was just like, ah, you'll get a sweep and you'll go into labor. That's probably how it works. Didn't, ha hadn't done a huge amount of research and no names, no scandal, but there was a certain um, consultant in the coom that the midwife's and people will tell you about he's a he's a very tall man and he does a lot of sweeps and I there's been a running joke about him um about how ah be geez if he gives you a sweep now you'll be <laughs> I was like I'm terrified of this like what and in the end it was it was your man himself and uh yeah I think it was probably an unsuccessful sweep if you know what I mean okay. like technically it didn't really um nothing really happened so they planned for me to come in on the 10th day after my due date. And 
as happens to a lot of people apparently I went into labor that morning myself and had you thought about your preferences before then yeah I think I a bit like you know my head in the sand or whatever I kind of didn't do a lot of research I didn't you know look into anything but I definitely had this feeling of like wanting to have a natural birth and wanting to not like in inverted commas need the epidural so I think yeah. it was just this arbitrary random like thing I said throughout my pregnancy and I, I kind of had to stick to it then. I was like you know I, I want a natural birth I'm you know women were born for this and like you know if women could do it in caves so could I and yeah it, it that's kind of as far as I went in my mind about it so the thoughts of being induced for me was like for me it was the worst case scenario it's, it's what I really didn't want um because I kind of felt like it went against my body doing its thing and being ready to birth the baby and the baby being ready to be born. So I suppose I felt a little bit like my body was failing. It's like, oh, you're not doing what you're meant to do. And now they're going to force you to do something to give birth. So I was, I was, I was raging. That's the truth. I was raging when I was getting it. And I was really scared. What was your first sign of going into labor naturally? So the night before, like, be, I mean, anyone that's listened to this that's been induced or is going to be induced, it is the most surreal thing to know for a fact that like you're going in to have your baby tomorrow, like you're going to get your hair done. It is the mm. weirdest feeling. So that I was really anxious the night before, obviously, and, you know, was just pacing around. And there was a program on RTE about animals giving birth in the wild. And my boyfriend you know, thought it would be hilarious for us to watch it. So we watched it and it gave us a bit of a laugh, you know, and uh, I went to bed and I don't know if I slept, like we even slept, to be honest with you, but I remember it was five o'clock in the morning and I stood up to go to the toilet and I was like, oh, oh God, that hasn't happened before. I'm after like having an accident. <laughs> I was like, well, I suppose the last day of my pregnancy is as good a day as any. And as I made my way into the bathroom, I was like, this doesn't feel normal. Like this feels like water is just like dripping down my leg. And I was like, no, hardly. Like this is not what they, you know, in the movies, like their waters go and it's a big, you know, massive affair. And I'm like, it's hardly yeah. that. So I kind of just told my mind it wasn't happening. I was like, no, like just stop, go to the toilet and you're grand. So I went into the ensuite, came back and I was like, no, this is, this is not normal. This is, this is different. So I woke up Peter and I was like, I think my waters might be going or gone or happening or there's something happening. And he was like, what, what, what? So he got up and I was like, no, I feel fine. There's like nothing happening, but like, I just wanted to tell you. He's like, what do I do? And I was like, no, nothing, do nothing. You know, like I'm going to the coom. I'm, we're booked in for nine o'clock. So like go back asleep and I think I put like a towel on the bed and I, I just didn't even know what to do about the bed. I was just like sitting on the bed being like, I've just told him to go back asleep. My, my a friend of mine had said to me, if you think you're in labor, if you think, you know, something's kicking off, no matter what time it is, get something to eat. And I remember thinking that's weird advice, but it's actually great advice. And she said, because you just never know the next time you're going to eat and it's just no harm. So I was like, okay, you don't have to twist my arm for a bit of toast. So I went down to the kitchen and I sat on the um, pregnancy ball and I just started eating a slice of toast. And I think at this stage it might've been like half six or something. I'd been sort of looking at the same spot on the wall for about an hour, just in denial. And um, I texted my mom and I just said, 
this is what's happening to me. Uh, I don't feel any different, but I do have like a really sore back. And she was like, oh, and started telling me like stories, you know, and that's how I was on whatever. One of the five of us started with back pain and I was like, no, 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 no. It's not like a pain, like a, as if I'd been in labor for. No, it's not like a labor back pain, you know, <laughs> from all my other back labors. It's not like that, ma'am. I said, this is just, a, I have a sore back. Like it's, I'm raging, like, you know, because I'm going to have to give birth and I have a sore back. And mom said, that's probably related. Like, and I was like, no, mom, you don't know. Like it's my body. Like I know. And uh, she was like, but look, will I come down? And I was like, yeah, come down just, just in case. So maybe another hour passed and she came down and she, my sister was with her. And I, at this stage, had I locked myself in the downstairs toilet, which is apparently what I do when I'm giving birth. So I'll look at it later. I just locked the door and was like, no, I'm actually fine. I'm actually grand. This is not happening. I'm just really, really need to go to the toilet. And my mom was like, no, that's probably all connected. And I was like, no, mom, this is so embarrassing. You're here. Leanne's here. Peter's here. I'm getting a juice at nine o'clock. I obviously just like wet myself or something. I don't know what's going on. And yeah, then I kind of noticed that the back pain was kind of happening and then stopping and happening and stopping. And I was like, it's like I'm having contractions in my back. And my mom was saying, yeah, that's, that can happen. Like, that's probably what's going on. Would you open the door and I can chat to you? I was like, no, I'm not opening the door. And it was just a bit of back and forth until eventually I was like, okay, I'm, I think I'm actually getting contractions. And eventually we made our way into the hospital, actually rang the coom and said, look, I'm due to be induced at nine o'clock and it's now like eight o'clock or whatever. What do you think I should do? And they said, yeah, come on in. We check you out. And yeah, next fall I was on my way into the coom. We lived really close at the time and I couldn't put the seatbelt on in the back of the car. And I was just like, absolutely like just losing my mind. I, I, I remember thinking, this is the worst thing I've ever felt in my whole life. I must be just to give birth. I must be just about to give birth. This has to be like just before the baby arrives. And um yeah, no, it wasn't. No, and, <laughs> I know. Funnily, funnily enough, it wasn't. You know, when you're, people are telling you stories and you're like, oh, I can relate to that feeling yeah. of where you're like, this has to be it. Um, but I do remember getting into the comb and it's so funny the things you, you don't think about. Like I was really embarrassed because walking from the car park to the reception, I was like, what if someone sees me having a contraction? And you know, it's funny. I often say to my friends now, like, I've never, ever seen someone in the comb, like in yeah. labor. I always wanted to. I'd be gawking in the car park and, you know, like outside, even when I, to this day, when I drive by the comb and I see someone in their pajamas outside, I'm always like looking at their face or like wondering, are they like pacing around or whatever? You just don't see it. And everyone's in their little bubble, like doing their own thing. And I did have to stop on the way in and grab like the railings and have, I had one like contraction before I walked in and um, I'm sure nobody saw me like, you know, but your one's just so, um, what's the word? It's so business, you know, when you get to the room and they're like, hospital number. And I was like, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) you need to know a number. Like, and they were like, "Um, can you give us a sample of uh, a urine sample? So I was like, okay, so again, really surreal, made my way out to the little toilet. And I remember when I got the urine sample, all I could see was water. And I was like, oh my God, that is my water. I hadn't even like tried to actually go to the toilet. And I was like, okay, so it almost validated a little bit. I was like, okay, that's yeah. definitely, ha- something's happening there. 
and they hooked me up to a trace and I definitely that was the first like negative turning point for me because I hated I hated that so much because my back was so so sore it felt like it was going to break in half and the worst thing in the world for me was having to lie down so having to lie down and be strapped to that machine was just absolute hell on earth and I just remember trying to take it off me and just being really like angry and being like why do I have to lie here with this on me like this is absolutely horrific and can I stand up or I don't even know what I was saying but I remember just it was the longest whatever 20 minutes I think it is it was the longest 20 minutes ever and um they basically said you know we're going to check you and see how you are you seem to be really struggling with the pain and and she said you're you're just about you're almost the one and I was like the one one what one baby one minute away from birthing her him it and she said you're just one centimeter nearly I was like oh I can't even that was it's funny in that moment all of my preconceived notions about labor went out the window and in that moment I was if somebody had have given me an epidural that second I would have taken it because I was so fearful of what was to come because I thought yeah. if this is level one <laughs> and there's 10 levels you know in my brain that's how it was processing it I was like there's absolutely not a hope I can do this without pain relief I can't and she said look there's a quite a number of um I think she said they're called decelerations in the heart rate and it's just something we want to keep an eye on so we're going to we're going to stick you back on the the trace for a while and I was like I actually can't do I can't do this I just I was like please can I just not lie down and she said we do need to we do need to check um and the next kind of phase is a real blur like I remember being checked again and being told that I was four centimeters and then I was on my way to the labor ward and then like I was getting the epidural it was all very like systematic you know when I look back now so yeah I just remember being in the the labor ward then and got the epidural and that just was the most amazing thing in the world I just couldn't believe how different I felt I was like this is great um I think the epidural does something mad to you as well it kind of it breaks the like momentum and I think you forget for a while that you're about to have a baby because you kind of go into this weird limbo mode where you're like, oh, that's gone. I can chill now for a while. And then you sort of forget that you are actually going to give birth though at some stage soon. So I definitely just relaxed into the old epidural and loved what that did to me because it took away the pain. Um, and that was around, so I think I'd come in around half eight, maybe it was quarter to nine by the time we ended up the assessment unit. But around, uh, I think it might've been one o'clock they said we're going to check you again and I remember the midwife had that was in with me her name was Brona I'll never forget her name she said um I'm going on lunch and I'll see you when I get back and I remember like I never seen her again because like the baby was born like half an hour later and basically I remember and it's it's again this is where some of my fear stemmed from I remember a woman coming in uh, who was a doctor and she spoke to me for a few minutes and I distinctly remember her words. And I, I, I think they were unfortunate words because they really stuck with me. She said, I said, see you later. And she said, ah, oh, no, you don't, something like you won't want to see me later or, you know, well, hopefully I won't see you later. Or if you see me later, it's, it's something implying that to see her again would imply there was a problem and that I probably wouldn't see her. And okay. it was unfortunate wording because when I saw her again, I panicked so much. Yeah, yeah. I, that seed had been planted and 
I, I know she wouldn't have meant it like that, but it was just, it was unfortunate. You know, one of those things where you have an exchange with somebody and it's just unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, I oh, hope you see me later. Oh, will I not? Uh, well, sure, look, if you see me, it's because X, Y, and Z. And I just remember then when she walked into the room, I was like, no, no, no. Why is she here? Why is she here? Um, so it was one of those like... Yeah. And she would have never even thought that you would have soaked it in that way because, you know, you would no. actually you'd think that oh if I see her face again I'm in trouble or whatever so she would never have thought yeah. after saying what she said that and I told her I, I ran into her it was mental it was like it was like coming full circle when I'd done birth reactions before I um had Willow my second baby I they brought me up to the birthing um suites and they brought me on a walk around which was amazing and I just found that even element so healing and they brought me to see the pool and like there was women in labor. And I just remember being like, this is crazy. I was like, I want to be a midwife. It was amazing. And who walked by only the doctor herself. And I never forgot her face. And it was like five years to almost the day. And I stopped her and I just had to say like, oh my God, I have to just say hi to you and like, thank you. And also just, but I did tell her and I, she was horrified and I didn't say it in any kind of negative way I just yeah, was like yeah. oh I remember and I remember them you up again I knew by her face she was like did I say that oh so I remember thinking it was possibly no harm that we had that conversation because how many people have that conversation it's like you know what I mean not a coincidence that you were both there at this you know it was I agree them, I think I totally agree because she was like did I say that she said oh my god and some of the midwives were like, you know, you wouldn't think sometimes when you do say things like that, wow. And it was this kind of conversation. And, you know, um, I, I said, oh, it'd be funny now if I, if I meet you now and I'm having my next baby. And, and that was kind of it. But it definitely was nice to address that in some kind of way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically it was that situation where I was checked again, uh, kind of abruptly and was nine and a half centimeters. And I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting them to say that and that we were going to start pushing. And I thought, okay, this is what you see in the movies. They tell me you went to push and this is what's going to happen. Um, and basically they just, the room just filled with people. Um, it was such a blur. Like it was like one minute I was lying there thinking I was going to have the baby in a few hours. And the next minute it was like, I'd been pushing for a while and whatever they were seeing, they didn't like on the monitor. And someone said to me, look, there's going to be a couple of people that are going to come in. Don't panic. It's just to be ready in case the baby needs a bit of help. And I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on here? And uh, she walked back in and I said, oh no. And she said, what? And I said, oh, I don't, I didn't want to see you. I said, and she was like, you didn't want to see me. I said, no, you said if you come in and you know, and she said, oh no, no, don't worry. She put Tracy, um, you do need, we, you do need a bit of help. And I just remember saying, I know what that means. And she said, what? And I said, it means episiotomy and forceps. And she was like, yes that is what it means but like I remember she was looking at me like how do you know that but I had watched way too much one born every minute way too much and I knew that I knew the script I knew that I had been pushing for a certain amount of time and it wasn't happening and I thought well how else can they help me if it's going to happen in this room and they're not bringing me to a theater they're about to do something to help me and I just thought that's what I keep seeing in the programs and that's what it was and it's funny because when I spoke to my midwife and my, you know, my team and whatever, when I was pregnant, that was the thing, the very thing I didn't want to happen. 
was I didn't want to have an episiotomy and I didn't want to have an instrumental birth. Oh my God, I just could not believe they had taken a baby. Like it was like someone had literally removed a baby from me. It was the weirdest thing. It was not what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought you push a baby out and you feel the baby coming out and then you like, you know what to anticipate. But it was like he was literally just pulled out of me, which is exactly what was ha- what does happen essentially with a forceps delivery like they are you know maneuvering him helping the baby out but it from my perspective it just felt like he was pulled out um, and he was so bruised it was just like the first time I seen him his whole eye his left eye was just purple and red and pink and sunken and I remember thinking he just looked like he'd been in a fight and I found that quite hard because I just thought he his very first moments in on like earth side he was hurt and I know babies recover quickly and all of that but he was physically hurt like he was bruised he had marks on his face and um yeah then I you know there's the whole like the picture and he's in my arms and then like someone saying are you going to breastfeed me being like no and then being like actually yeah let's go let's try and just this random abrupt like whack it on there see what happens and um was like a hard no for breastfeeding was like absolutely allergic to the idea of breastfeeding and wouldn't even tolerate the thought of it had never seen anyone breastfeed in my life it was not normal in my world at all and like went on to breastfeeding for two years (laughs) and um you know just yeah just surreal like tea and toast all the things they tell you about and and him being taken immediately um which I hated so much because I feel like I didn't even get to see him properly and I remember being like what if they give me back the wrong baby you know the things that are going through your mind like what what what, surely that can happen you know that must happen and Peter being like that's not going to happen don't worry and and they were testing his blood sugars and he was quite I don't know he was like quite lethargic or something about the sugar in his blood I don't know I honestly don't really know what it was but he was brought back quick enough anyway and um yeah that was kind of the birth but like when I look back on the trauma of Billy's birth and it definitely was trauma for me like it turned me off having any more children and I wanted to have like several children so it was very traumatic but actually the worst part for me the trauma was the postpartum it was the days after giving birth and it was being in the coom for a week and thinking I'd be home in a day, but like being so sore. And I think I had an episiotomy, but I tore as well. And it was really bad. Um, and I couldn't move. Like I actually remember thinking this is like torture. I have just been handed this baby and I am on my own, like behind this curtain with this baby that I don't know how to care for. And I cannot, when he cries, I actually cannot move off the bed to pick him up. And I remember like people visiting me and like, cause that's what you do. Or like, I remember my uncle coming in and like, he's so gorgeous, like such a lovely person. But I remember being so embarrassed because the baby was crying and I was, I didn't know actually how to say the word, but I wanted to him, I wanted to say to him, can you give me the baby? Cause I actually cannot move. Like with the position I'm in, I physically cannot move. Cause every time I moved, I felt like I was, the stitches were, were coming apart and um god the breastfeeding was just not working out I remember like after you know 
two or three feeds, like a midwife said, you know, do you want to give him a bottle? Um, you know, if you're struggling, you know, do you want to give him a bottle? And when a midwife suggests a bottle, what you hear as a first time mother is, I'm not doing something properly. There's something wrong with me. We can't breastfeed. She's the professional. I'm not going to say no to that. Why would I argue? And looking back again now, if that was this time around with Willow, I would have just been like, oh, I was. It was said to me again. I was like, absolutely no, thank you. I'm breastfeeding. Like I knew I was prepared and I knew there was a breastfeeding solution to a breastfeeding problem. Whereas yeah. first time around, I was like, oh, she knows best. Um, so I began my secret underground breastfeeding journey with Billy where, you know, the curtains would close at night time and I would just stay up all night trying to latch him on. And, you know, we had this little routine going and then he just would, he just wouldn't latch. He just, it was just so stressful. It was like, I, I think I, I looking back now, I, I had flat nipples or something. He just, it was just slipping off the whole time. And I remember being so upset. I was like, here's my body failing me again. Like I couldn't give birth properly. And then like, you know, it must be because I'm overweight that his heart was having a problem. And then I couldn't push him out and now I can't feed him. And it was just horrible. And I remember just feeling so faint, even like eventually when I got to have a shower, and like even like stupid things like I, I a midwife walked by and I was like, can I have a shower? And she was like, yeah, of course you can. And I said, who, um, who minds the baby? And she was like, just leave the baby there. And I was like, on his own. And she was like, yeah, like leave him in his little bed. And I was like, but he's on his own. Like everyone else is with their babies. Does someone not mind him? And she was just like, no. And I remember being absolutely horrified that I was going to be in the shower down the corridor. Yeah, I was in the comb for like, six nights and even like on the seventh day when I when I walked out like I remember when you when I saw sunlight you know walking there's something so surreal about walking into the world like that's outside of your maternity hospital after giving birth it's like the world looks so different I just felt robbed of that newborn bubble that magical like skin to skin and breastfeeding and all of that I felt I never got that I felt my birth at the time that the the things that helped me through the pain aka the you know epidural I felt I I resented looking back because I feel like well if I because I had the epidural and this is how I looked at it because I had the epidural it was like very convenient and easy for me to have an episiotomy and you know that's how it felt for me even though that's probably not the case it was like I was ready I was numb they could just do it I was going to be it was going to be over quick and healing from that and I know a lot of other friends of mine have had an episiotomy and have healed really really well and have had like totally positive experiences but for me it was just really really bad and I ended up back in the coom two weeks later um with an infection and all my stitches had come apart I knew leaving the coma didn't feel right. And, you know, they said, oh, it's 1% of people that happens to. And I was like, of course, I would be the 1%. And being like, oh, you're not going to re-stitch me, are you? And they said, no, we don't. We don't do that. So we just let you heal naturally and put me on antibiotics and the whole lot. So I feel like I didn't settle at all and relax um, until maybe Billy was three months old. And I feel like I could properly like sit down again comfortably but it was just horrendous. And I remember thinking I couldn't, I couldn't go through that again. So I remember just a couple of years later, you know, Billy was three or something. I remember saying to my husband, do you ever just think like maybe we're just supposed to have one? And I'll never forget his reaction. He was like, 
no, really? And I was like, yeah, like I just often think like maybe it's just us, like, you know, the, the three amigos and like I was making a joke of it, but I knew by him he was like, oh, like I hadn't thought that was even on the cards, you know, I, I thought if we could, we would definitely have more. And it just took a long time for me to even consider it. Um, and again, like when I did eventually consider it, Billy was four and we were on a, like a date night and I had a few too many glasses of wine, shall we say, and was very teary at the table. And I was just, it all came out. It was like absolute verbal diarrhea. I was like, because you know, if we have a baby, I'm a breastfeeding. And like, I definitely want to breastfeed for like at least a year. And it's all going to be on me. And like, do you realize like, I'm going to be co-sleeping. And are you okay with that? And like, it's going to be full on Peter. And just, he was like, whoa, <laughs> relax. He was like, I was there. <laughs> I remember. And just to bring you back to the debriefing in the hospital, can you just tell me what that involved and how you felt it helped you? So the debriefing thing for me was I, when I did get pregnant on Willow, I was so, so terrified to give birth. As in from the minute I found out I was pregnant, I was absolutely like fixated on the fear. And I remember thinking, okay, this is hardcore. Um, and I was, you know, trying to do as many things as I could to try and kind of, you know, immerse myself in positive, you know, stories and media and the whole lot, but it wasn't going away. And I had done gentle birth and I was, you know, we like watching a lot of birth stories and positive birth stories, but there was just this niggling absolute terror at the thought of going into the hospital. And I spoke to a lactation consultant who actually said to me, have you heard of birth reflections in the coom? And I said, no. And she said, it's a service for people like you who need to go in and debrief and ask questions and get answers and you know I think you'd really benefit from it so she put me in touch with I think her name is Anne Fergus the lady who runs it in the coom and made an appointment and was really delighted that I could bring Peter of course Jesus you take those things for granted like wouldn't be happening now but um, we went in with open you know with an open mind and I was excited and but I don't think either of us expected to get so much clarity from it And we both left the hospital feeling like so much lighter. And it just really reassured me um, in loads of ways. And to be honest, like some of the things I had feared that like, you know, the time constraints and all that, to be honest with you, the midwife was quite open and honest about those things, um, which I really kind of respected. Whatever way she explained it to me, I just felt so reassured. I was like, that was necessary. So with Willow then, were you um, as successful the first time around as you were with Billy? Yeah, um, like, yeah, pretty much. Again, I feel so lucky to say that um, I, we, it's so funny, like we were on holidays and I, you know, yourself, you're on holidays and you're all very relaxed and it's all very, you know, not real life. And I remember saying to him, can we just see what happens? And he was like, uh, I don't know, like, where, where, where is this after coming from? And I was like, well, it's not that far into the future. Like, and we've, you know, we've, you know, we're ready. And he was like, oh, I don't know. Like, so. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We didn't really even kind of 100% plan it. We just kind of were like, we'll see what happens. And lo and behold, we'll see what happens happened. Um, like, I think we decided on Saturday and like we conceived on a Wednesday. It was like ridiculous. Um, and I came home from that holiday and I remember just being like, I just knew I just knew, I, I just was like, I just know that I'm going to be pregnant. And I took a pregnancy test, like a late pregnancy test. I waited like quite late to check because I didn't want to like be disappointed. And also I didn't want to be questioning whether I'd done it too early or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to like do it late and then like it'll be a true reading. And it was negative. And I was like, oh, that's gas because like I had a, a regular cycle, but my like cycle is regular in its irregularities. So in, in the sense that like my cycle is normally about 42 days long. It's really long. Um, and I ovulate really late, but um, it was negative. So I was like, this is mental. Obviously I'm just, uh, after getting so fixated on it that I'm like withholding my period and it's going to come any day now. And it was like day 45, day 46, day 47. I was like, this is nuts, but I'm clearly not pregnant. I'd done a clear blue. And had a spare one and just said I'll just try again on day like 47 and it was like three plus weeks I was like what I was just like what like I was 100% sure that that stage I wasn't because at this stage I was like oh now we're obviously my cycle's off the rails now so I was not expecting it it was like it was like I did it for the crack I can't even explain it it was like it's there like sure I'll just do it for the crack and it was three plus weeks. It wasn't even like one to two or two to three. It was like 
I'm very pregnant. Like I'm definitely pregnant. So it just goes to show you your, your hormones can multiply differently to the standard or whatever. Um, but then I decided to go for an early scan because I had done the same with on Billy's pregnancy. And I just found it really reassuring to go for the, you know, early reassurance scan or whatever you want to call it, because I had done a bit of research and, you know, if you kind of see a good, strong heartbeat at eight or nine weeks, the chance of miscarriage is significantly reduced, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, I'll give it a bash and it might reassure me. And I was lying there two seconds and the girl said to me, do you know you have a massive ovarian cyst? And I said, no, do I? And she was like, are you prone to cysts? And I was like, no, I've never had a cyst in my life. Like what? And she was like, yeah, it's, 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 it's very big. You know, I, I can't remember what she said it was. It was like 10 centimeters or something. It was, it was big. And she said, you know, I'm just, I have to flag this kind of stuff with you. And it's, it looks like a complex cyst. It's got matter in it. Um, it's usually fine. It's usually nothing. Don't panic. But I would flag it with your hospital and kind of just get them aware of it and stuff. Um, now on to the baby. And I was just like, okay, what just happened there? And she was like, baby's fine. You're seven weeks and five days or something like that. And I remember just being like, all I could think about was this cyst. And I was like, you know, was trying not to worry, but I left feeling absolutely petrified because I was like, oh, why is there a thing I need to think about now? That's yeah. more than just being pregnant. So the actual pregnancy was really stressful because it was, I feel like I was pregnant with a cyst. So they were very interested in my cyst. Water cysts, they tend to just dissolve back into your bloodstream. They're nothing to kind of worry about. But there was talk of it being potentially something more sinister. And I was like, this is like, they have got to be having a laugh here. And I went in for my 12-week scan and, you know, she'd done the, the checks and all. And she was like, I'm just going to call Reg in if that's okay. And I'm like, who's Reg when he's at home? She was like, sorry, that's a doctor, you know, the Reg. I'm like, oh, sorry, the Reg. <laughs> Sounds like a bloody rapper is about to walk in, you know. <laughs> Reg is about to come in. What? And... Uh, <laughs> She, so lo and behold, Reg came in in her green uniform and she was lovely. And she was like, hi, you know, the sonographer is just after, you know, asked me to pop on in. And I was like, okay. And she said, um, I just wanted to have a little chat about your cyst. And I was like, oh, of course you do. And she was like, no, you know, it's just, it does have a couple of markers um, that are a little bit concerning. We don't want to worry it, but we do need to take them seriously. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, like, see the way there's little pockets there and, you know, it looks a bit like there's kind of a sack inside. And I was like, yeah. She said, you know, sometimes, you know, like tumors can look a bit like that. And I was like, oh no, this is like, this is can't, I can't even be having this conversation. Like, and she said, you know, we do need to run a couple of tests and we want to check your blood for, I can't remember what it is now, but it's the cancer marker, cancer gene. It's like C21, I don't know, some marker and if you have high levels of it it can be a, a sign that there's something cancerous so like I remember walking for my 12 week scan which is supposed to be the day where you like start telling people that you're pregnant and it's the big benchmark of like this is what I've been leading up to and I remember walking down the corridor and Peter was walking a tiny bit in front of me for whatever reason I don't know why he was on the phone or something and I remember looking at him and getting these really 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 morbid thoughts and thinking he's going to be a widow. And like, this is, this is, this is what's going to happen for me now. I'm going to, I'm pregnant. 
and I'm going to have ovarian cancer and I'm going to be one of those people that you hear about on social media that was really young and had her all this life ahead of her and she died of ovarian cancer. And this is what was going through my head, like immediately walking down the corridor and not even in a dramatic way, in a like really like real tangible, oh my God, like I knew this was going to happen. You know that like a rational, like I knew this was going to happen to me. Like I knew something like this was going to happen to me. And um, having to talk myself down off that and not celebrating and being so sad and leaving the coom and explaining to my mom the situation and just saying to her, can you tell everybody like that I'm pregnant? I don't want to tell everybody, but can you just tell like my aunt and my cousins and everybody, just tell them all. And like, just explain to them the situation. And like, I just don't want to talk about it because I just don't even know what I'm talking about. So I don't even know what to say, but this is the story. So my mom did that. And of course everybody was then like, you know, kind of tiptoeing around me and kind of aware that there could be something. And just to kind of give a bit of a reference point, like my dad had stage four cancer and my youngest brother, Jordan, had cancer when he was two. So in my world, cancer happens. And I was like, that's why when I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm next. This is me now. This is this is typical. Um, my biggest fear and it's happening. So everybody was afraid because like that, they all know that my dad has cancer and they knew Jordan had cancer. And it, it was a big kind of, it was a big scare for everybody. And they put me under the care of, I think his name is Tom Darcy. He's like the main kind of cervical check guy, actually. And he works in the colposcopy clinic in the Coombe. And they sent me to him and he sent me for an MRI. I remember being like, I didn't even think you could get an MRI when you were pregnant. And he said, look, it's not, it's not 100% ideal, but neither is this thing. And he said, look, we have to weigh it up. We do need to know what it is. And, you know, I think it's for the best that you go. And I, there's, you know, there's not a lot of research to say that it's dangerous, but it's just very few people are willing to be the research, like, um, the person who's been researched, he's like, I, I, you'll be fine. You know, he kind of reassured me. So had an MRI and then it came back and he basically said, look, I'm, I think it's going to go away itself. I think it is a cyst. I think it's a complex cyst. I think it's going to go away itself as the pregnancy progresses and I'm not worried. So I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. So from that point on, I started to relax a little bit. Um, but I was still in every three or four weeks for scans on the cyst, okay. you know, so it felt very much like a pregnancy that was about a cyst yeah. and the baby was always an afterthought. Like even when I was going for my scans um, for the cyst, it would be in the x-ray unit in the comb and a different kind of setup than like, you know, when you go for your, you know, actual pregnancy scans and then you'd get a little glimpse of the baby and you'd just be like, God, there's a baby there. Like, and then as time went on, it became very difficult for them to see the cyst because obviously I was so heavily pregnant and um, that there was just no room. So I had to get in all these mad positions for them to see it, but it wasn't going anywhere. Uh, in, the, in the end, kind of week 37, 38, I got really panicky about the birth. And I, that was around the time I'd done the birth reflections and kind of, I said, oh, I'd love to be able to use the pool in the comb. I would just love to do that. And I remember saying, because I have a cyst, does that mean I can't? And I spoke to, oh, what is her name? I can't remember, Mary one of the main head midwives in the comb and um she said absolutely you can use the pool you know you need to do science consent form and you need to do this and you need to consent to be part of the study because there was some study that was ongoing at the time births mm -hmm. in the pool and um I was like all geared up for the pool birth then and she said look let's take you out of consultant led care and let's your last couple of appointments let's see midwives and I was just 
forever grateful that she did that for me because she knew how desperately I just wanted to talk to a midwife. I loved those last couple of appointments because I got to speak to a midwife. So um, I was researching about the poo. I was reading like loads of birth stories. I was talking to people who had used the poo in the coom and I was just buzzing for it. Like, but the running joke through my whole pregnancy was I would love to have the guts to have a home birth. Imagine having the guts to have a home birth. Like my best friend Kiva had had a home birth in America and she'd had a doula and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's so like cool. And I, I just couldn't because I'd be just so afraid. And, you know, my mom and stuff would just be terrified that something would go wrong. And I was like, I'd be panicking that she'd be panicking. And But I think it's so cool that people do that. And my best friend, Jen, so like two best friends, both of them have had home births, one in Ireland, one in Canada. And I was just like, oh, imagine that'd be deadly. Like, and my mom is a psychic, as in that's her job. Like, that's what she does. That's like, she's pretty well known. And she tells me nothing. But she was able to tell me that I was having a girl, that the name began with W. Now, nobody knew her name. And I was fuming when she said that, because I was like, how? And that she wasn't 100% convinced that I was going to make it to the hospital. And I was like, mom, like, what are the chances of that? So um, had my... 39 week appointment and you know things were looking favorable I hadn't been checked um down below she hadn't like done a internal she said look we'll do that next week and um, but like no need to do anything now but like bump wise and all that she's like way down low uh you're definitely going in the right direction and you know I'll probably see you next week but you never know one of them kind of appointments and on the Wednesday five days later I was 39 weeks and five days. I was due to do my last Slimming World group. So I was a Slimming World consultant. So Tuesday night and every night in my pregnancy, I got this little routine where I would always have a shower before I went to bed and I would always put on fresh white underwear and I would put coconut oil all over my tummy. And um, it was just like my little routine. And I had this, I loved having frozen fruit that was defrosted with yogurt and I used to have it in bed. It was just like my thing. And I'd listen to my gentle birth and I loved it. It was the most amazing part of my pregnancy. And this particular night, whatever happened, I did not have a shower. And I remember joking and saying, oh, this would be the one night now where you would go into labor. Like, you know, because I haven't had the bloody shower, like, you know, <laughs> yeah having a laugh my mom about it and stuff and we were texting back and forth and my mom sent me a picture of her and uh, you know she changed her bed sheets she said oh do you like my my bed sheets and I said oh it looks like you're I remember the words even I said oh, it looks like you're sleeping in a smoothie because it was like pictures of watermelons and berries and we're just having a bit of banter back and forth and I said I'm just you know we're planning a lunch for like two days away where we would go and she was kind of being quite vague I said I'm just thinking you all along predicted the 22nd of May and she said yeah and I said I'm just it's the 21st I said so oh it must be tonight or tomorrow and she said why do you think I'm not committing to lunch I think you'll be having your lunch on a tray in the coom said good night to her she said good night to me and as happens in late pregnancy I was just about to go to sleep and I was like oh do you know what I think I'll just go to the toilet and went to the toilet and stood up and I wiped and then I just saw water pouring out from between my legs and I just froze I just stood on the bathroom floor as the floor was absolutely saturated at this stage couldn't speak couldn't move couldn't remember Peter's name couldn't remember my own name and was just standing there watching 
doing nothing and was like, made my way into my mom, into the bedroom and sent my mom a text and I said, it's actually mad to look at it. So basically it's her saying, uh, you know, you'll be having it on the train, the coom. Anyway, off to bed, me too. Night, night. And seven minutes later, I said, are you awake? And that just makes me get shivers when I look at it because I remember how I felt sending that text. Are you awake? And I said, like in my mind, I was screaming Peter's name. I was like, Peter, like come up the stairs. But in reality, I don't know why I couldn't speak. I was like, Peter, Peter, Peter. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, Peter, come here. And he came up the stairs and he, he was like, what? I was like, my, my water, my, it's gone. They're, go, they're going, the waters are going off me. And he was just like, what? The, are you okay? I was like, my waters are gone. And he was like, okay. And I was like, say something more than okay. He was like, what, what do I do? What, what do you do? I was like, I was trying to tell him to get me a pad, a maternity pad. And I could not use English words. I could not speak. I was like, Go, when I'm nervous, my jaw starts shaking. So like when I'm in like the dentist or something, or I'm really nervous about something, I'm waiting on news, whatever. My jaw just starts shaking and starts clanking off my teeth. So like my teeth start like rattling and I couldn't talk through it. So I was like, go into my bedroom and on the floor, there's a bag. <laughs> he was just like, I can't understand what you're saying. I was like, there's a bag with a pad. He was like, what, what bag? And I was like, it's bag. And he was like, Trey, talk normally. And I just could not get that. I was in absolute like paralysis. Like I just couldn't, I was frozen. I rang the coom. And I said, look, my orders are going. I'm 39 weeks and five days. I don't know what to do. I, you know, I've no pain. And they said, look, you've no pain. You're not in labor. It's, it's half 11 at night. Go to sleep. So my mom just came up and lay beside me on the bed for the chats. And she never left. Like, it was crazy. So we were just talking and she was telling me all about her births and she had had five and, um, you know, she was so scared to give birth because her birth mother, she got, had, she was born in Mount Carmel and her mother had a heart defect and was told that pregnancy and birth could trigger it. And she gave birth to my mom and she died two days later in the hospital. It's horrific. It's, oh, it's even when I say it there, it's just, oh, it's so sad. I could hear Tracy Donegan in the background, you know, with all the affirmations and she kept saying, you're cocooned in, and I would just start making jokes and I'd be like, in a jacuzzi, Tracy, I am in a jacuzzi, I am bathing in my own amniotic fluid, there's nothing relaxing about this, and my mom was just wetting herself off, and I was laughing, and looking back now, there was so much oxytocin in that room, because it was with my mom, in my room, so safe, talking about her birth experiences, laughing, so it went on for hours, me and my mum talking. And as I said, the most stressful thing at that stage was just the volume of water. It was really, really stressing me out because I keep kept having to get out of the bed to change or change the sheets or whatever. And whatever position I found myself in, then it would just like go happen again. And I couldn't go asleep basically. But lo and behold, about 10 past three, I got like a period pain. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, is that is that like, cause I'd had a back labor on Billy. I never had any contractions in my front. So I was like, it feels like that dull, like the minute I said dull, she was like, that's it. That's the start of it. And I was like, is it? She was like, now that's the start of it. But you know, who knows how long we're going for, but I, I reckon that's, this is this is the beginning. So 
I got my app and I started timing what was happening and miles apart, like 21 minutes or something, 17 minutes to 19 minutes, 18 minutes. I was like, right, getting a bit of sleep in between, nothing to write home about, wouldn't even call it pain. And then about five o'clock, I was like, okay, they're a bit closer together now, but they're still miles apart. So they were like 13 minutes apart. Um, but when they were happening, they were really um, getting kind of vamped up. I was like, okay, this is getting a bit like, I'm having to really breathe through these. Around five o'clock, I um, said to mom, look, I think I'll try and use the TENS machine. I'd never used one before. And I had practiced how to put it on. And I just really rate the TENS machine. So had that plugged in and this stage it was like six o'clock in the morning maybe and I'd been pretty much awake all night at this stage um and they were just consistently 12 minutes apart so then around 10 to 7 I heard Billy waking up and I just heard Billy going morning mommy and I was like oh, even just saying that now I feel like I could burst into tears um I was like morning and he said I wonder if it's a nice day out and I was like I, I wonder, I said, why don't you look at your window? And with that, I don't know what happened, but I got like the next contraction. It literally took my breath away. Like it absolutely floored me. And my mom seen it in me and she was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into it. And I was like, you go in. And again, looking back now, I keep saying looking back now, but I think there was something like, primal about knowing Billy was okay and I gave my body permission to just do its thing then and apparently I'm not the first person who's experienced that either apparently there's a it's a thing and he he was okay it was a new day he had woken up by himself he was alive he was happy and I was my mom was there he, everything was okay and I just kind of made my way down the stairs had like Billy was getting dressed, I'd brushed my teeth, I'd kind of just opened the windows and like maybe not even an hour, 40 minutes, I don't know. But they were still 12 minutes apart. I was fuming. And uh, so I started walking down the stairs and I went into the kitchen and got a banana and ate a banana and then was like, I, I don't know what happened after that. I just lost the plot is the only way I can describe it. I was walking away from everybody who came anywhere near me. I was walking from room to room and found myself in the bathroom downstairs with the light off, closing the door and telling everyone to leave me alone. I just needed to be in a dark room on my own. It was like I needed a cave. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm. And I was freaking out because I, I just couldn't explain what was happening. It was like they weren't contractions. It was something different was going on, but I didn't know what it was. And I felt like my body was literally just like separating that's the only way I can describe it I felt like my body was just splitting in half I, I didn't I was like something wrong I've never had this before this is not normal um why is this happening at like you know early labor blah 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 my mom came in and Billy was dressed and she was like are you okay and I was like oh yeah but like I, I just it's getting really intense and, blah, blah, and I feel really disorientated and I don't know what's going on and she said I think you should think about going to the hospital I was like, yeah, I'm going to. And I was like, and yeah, I'm going to get put on a bloody oxytocin drip and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to get in juice. And I was like, this is a disaster. So she was like, relax, relax, you're grand, you're grand. So she was like, I'm going to put Billy in the car. And she was like, say goodbye to your mommy. And oh, even just saying that, I'm like, can't even go there. It's just like so emotional. Um, and actually where I'm sitting right now is exactly where he came in the door. And um, 
he was like, bye, mommy. And he gave me a kiss and I just wanted him to go before I was having another contraction. I didn't want him to see me in pain. So she, my mom was going out with him and I said to Peter, go out with mom and help her with the car seat and take his bag. I had packed him a bag for wherever he was going to end up staying. And I said, give mom the bag. So he went out and I was on my own in the house for like a minute. And I don't know what came over me, but something in my mind just said, put your hand down. And I put my hand down and I could feel her forehead. I could feel her hair. Like, I literally put my hand down thinking I was going to feel water or like a, a, a space or like I was going to feel different. Like, I don't know why I did it, but I felt her forehead. I felt the wrinkles of her forehead. I didn't have to feel far. It was there. It was literally right at the front. And my mom walked in and she went, oh, bye. And I just looked at her and she looked at me and I was like, mom, I can feel the fucking head. <laughs> she was just like, what? And I was like, she was like, you need to go, you need, you need to get in the car. You need to go get, get your, get your stuff. And I was like, no, no, mom, I cannot move. I cannot move from where I am. I was just standing behind the couch, holding on to the back of the couch. And I was just standing there and she was like, well, what, what do you mean you can't move? Like, what, 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 what do you want me to do? Call you an ambulance? I was like, that's exactly what I need you to do. So she, and then she just made this noise and we laugh about it so much now because it was like her primal noise. She just went, ah. <laughs> it was like she was just so scared. And I looked at the clock and Peter's like walking into the house now, like, did she just say what I think she said? And I looked at the clock. Billy's now in my, in my mom's car, in his car seat, uh, watching Fireman Sam on her phone. And I looked at the clock, it was 10 to nine. Mom's on the phone and all I hear is mom being like, but what would I need a, a safety pin for? And what would I need a, a bit of ribbon for? What would I be using them for? And he was like, um, and she was like, what's your name? And I was like, it doesn't matter what his name is. Stop asking him what his name is. And she was just like, um, she was like, no, she's in a lot of pain. And she's, you know, she's, she can't move from where she is. She can't stand. She can't sit. She, she can't move, you know. And I was just like, I can't cope. I can't cope. And I was wailing like a banshee. Not like what you'd see in the movies where like people are screaming with pain. It was like... Like, it was like, oh, like, it was like a banshee. I don't know what it was. It was not, it was not what I thought I would sound like, if all I can say. But it was just coming out, this noise. And I was so scared. And oh my God. I can hear, I can hear the noise so clearly because it wasn't a cry and it wasn't a shout. It was like, I don't know what it was, but it was like a banshee. I was wailing. And um, where we live, there's a fire station at the end of our road. And by pure chance, they were free. And there was an advanced paramedic there. And they rang, my mom rang at 10 to 9. And they arrived at my house at 5 to 9. And Willow was born three minutes later. Oh, my so God. So walked in the door. And at this stage, your man on the phone had said to me to lie down. They were like, she needs to lie down. She needs to lie down because if she's standing up, like we're just afraid the baby's gonna drop onto the ground yeah. and blah blah and I was like I cannot lie down I cannot lie down and my mom threw down all the pillows off the couch which was only new now that I think about it and I lay down and it was horrible lying down I just found it so uncomfortable again and they all it was funny because when they walked in to the, my living room so about eight firemen walked into my sitting room and like all of them were attractive all of them I remember saying like it wouldn't be like John who's about to retire and like yeah. Jimmy you know who's like 
doesn't even like his job anymore. It was like Connor who goes to the gym and like John with the tattoos, you know, it was all the good looking firemen. And they all walked in and Peter was just like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> and uh, they were like, where is she? Because they walked in and didn't see me. And my mom just pointed to behind the couch and they were just like, you know, okay, there she is. They all got their bits and bobs and their things laid out and they came over to me and I was like just screaming at this stage. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And they were like, Tracy, you know, this baby is coming. And I remember one of them saying in their little language, like 10, and I think he meant like 10 centimeters. And your man just went, 11. <laughs> I remember just being like, oh my God. This, and my mom, like, I always say to my mom, like, what did you see? And she was like, I just remember being so shocked when I looked at you there because obviously I've never seen that. And I've given birth a lot of times, but it was just, she was like, it was just hollow. It was just like what you would imagine that space to look like and that like size. She was like, it was just so surreal. And literally I was just screaming the place down and I was like, because um, when we were on the phone, so when the firemen arrived, I was like, do you have gas and air? And they were like, we don't have gas and air, but the part, there's an ambulance right behind us and they do. So when your man walked in, like behind them, he literally walked in the door and straight over to me, put the mask on my face. And I I'd pushed at one stage and the fireman, his name is Kev, who I'm actually in touch with, he, um, he said to me, Tracy, and I remember hearing him talking to Peter as if he thought I couldn't hear him, but he was like, this is where you need to really encourage her. Tell her she's doing brilliant. Tell her she's doing an amazing job. This is what she needs to hear. She's so nearly there, but she just needs you to tell her she's doing a great job, you know? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, I can hear you saying that. And um, he said to me, Tracy, you're holding back. You're holding back. You're holding back. And I was because I was just terrified of this ring of fire that everyone tells you about. And I was just terrified of that pain one puff of gas in air I was like that is what I needed to just take me a level above what was going on and it felt like I was looking down on what was happening and literally one push and I announced to everybody that it was a boy and I knew it was a boy and my mom was like that's not a boy <laughs> that's a girl and I was like it's a girl like what like I whatever way I looked it was just all so swollen I just thought it was a boy I just I don't know. They put her on my chest and they said, look, you have to come to the hospital. Like you said, because it's an unplanned home birth, you have to come, it's, it's procedure. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. So, you know, they got me out the door and like, uh, it, it, when they opened my hall door, it was like there was an actual fire truck outside my house. Yeah. And an ambulance and a stretcher in my garden. And Billy was still in my mom's car looking at her phone and had no idea what was going on. And like it's probably the best, the best place for him at that time, I'd say. Completely like watching Fireman Sam, but like real Fireman Sam is in the sitting room. Like, like I can't even go there because I'll just start bawling. But like Billy emerged, Billy get into the ambulance, and like he saw me for the first time, and they had explained to him what happened, and he had seen her. He had seen me. That's what happened. He seen me on the stretcher, and he was like, "What's wrong with Mammy?" And they were like, "Mammy had the baby," and he was like. Mommy had the baby. And he was like, did she go to Coombe? He just called it Coombe. Did she go to Coombe? And they were like, no, she didn't. You know, the baby came in the house. And he was like, I want to see mommy. So he got on. But when he seen me, when he actually seen me, he just got so overwhelmed. He just burst into tears. And he was bawling, crying. And he was, he was, you know, when someone's hysterical, he was laughing 
and he was crying and he was afraid to touch me and he was like shaking and he was like he was like oh that's my mommy but I don't know if I'm allowed to touch it like it was just oh it was just so so unbelievably surreal I'll never ever forget that moment and again Peter took a picture and there's a picture and I'm just like the elation on my face and Billy is just like you can see just the total like he's just delirious like um, and there's the Medicare blanket wrapped around Willow and like all of my blankets and my outfits and here I was naked in the back of an ambulance with Willow on my chest. It was so lovely because the man who sat in the back of the ambulance with me, you know, the paramedic, he was a bit older and he had his hand on my hand the whole way in. Peter was follow, you know, was, was, was to follow us on in, you know, he wasn't allowed to go in the ambulance. So he, you know, there was this hour where he was in the house with my mom and Billy and Peter arrived. The minute he seen me, he just burst into tears, holding Willow. And I was having a shower and was in my pajamas and was on the bed and could feel everything and went to the toilet and felt it was a bit stingy and had had a shower and was walking around. And I was like, this is literally chalk and cheese. Like, I, I cannot believe I, I gave birth an hour and a half ago when I'm walking around. I can't get my head around this. And I got those amazing words, which were that I didn't need stitches. You know, she, this girl was checking me and this lovely midwife. And she said to me, um, you do have a graze. You know, she have a bit of a tear. She said, but you don't need stitches. Um, and when I left the hospital um, and I came in the door of my house, I just lost it. Like, it was like when I seen the room yeah. and my last memory of the room was that corner and I was on the floor and she was born I just it really just it just hit me it was like delayed shock I can't not shout from the rooftops mm. about it because it was so transforming for me it is something I'm so intensely proud of every single time I walk by that radiator in that room I just go thank you thank you thank you that is where Willow took her first breath mm. and it was the most incredible, incredible experience. And it made me think that, you know, you can prepare for this, that and the other. And ironically, I had prepared so well for this hospital, you know, water birth that was unmedical, if possible. And after all of that, I never made it to the hospital. And I'd love you to hear that conversation, like with the midwife when I rang and her being like, oh, 12 minutes, like, oh, you're, you're early on, like, the sequence of events anything can happen because you know I went from 12 centimeters sorry 12 centimeters Jesus Christ I'll be doing well to be 12 centimeters <laughs> yeah. oh Jesus I went from 12 minutes apart to Willow being born like 20 minutes later or something so I literally just went like what felt like I just went up like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then literally just, she just came. And when I, that the weird thing that I was feeling for about 10 minutes, that I couldn't explain. That was I transition. Was literally transition. Me being yeah. like, I need to pull my own skin off my body. I cannot be alive right now. I cannot cope. Mm. And you read about people explaining that transition. It's like the moment you think you can't do it, it's about to happen. It's so accurate. It's yeah. so accurate because it is literally the moment before your baby's about to be born. You are 100% positive. You cannot do it. Nobody could talk you down. Like, you're sure of it. I cannot do this. Um, 
and it's just incredible even the whole going into the bathroom closing the door and turn the light off like i obviously instinctively some part of me knew i needed space i needed to be away i needed to prepare i and the feeling i was getting in my pelvis was literally the baby's head emerging i just did never thought that's what it could be i it's it's amazing it's it's it was honestly a life-affirming experience if you'd like to share your story, you can pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under irelandsbirthstories. I look forward to bringing you another episode tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.